0: Coming up, we're going to discuss that the backs nail-biter against the Miami Marlins in game two of the series, and then we're talking to Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB about the Yankees, the Twins, who are the best teams in the American League. We're breaking it all down for you next.
1: You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast.
0: Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos, my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at thomas 24 for my personal account. Or just follow Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from bluenow.com. And Locked On listeners, get $50 off a $500 order. Use code Locked On at checkout. Now, We're going to talk to Sully Baseball about the Yankees, the Twins, just talk about the hottest teams in baseball, specifically more from the American League. We're going to be talking about that next with Sully Baseball, whether we think the Yankees are contenders or Twins are contenders, some real fun stuff in the second segment. But before we get there, we first have to talk about Game 2 against the Miami Marlins because... This series has been very fun. I was talking about it on yesterday's pod. There's just a certain energy and mystique around these two teams, and most of it stems from Zach Allen versus Jazz Chisholm. And in Game 2, there was no Zach Allen, of course, on the mound because he pitched in Game 1, and he had a fantastic start, and he's a big reason why the D-backs won the first game, the D-backs offense. Got off to a hot start. Basically, what happened today was very reminiscent of Game 1. They were basically the same game. It was like a deja vu. It was like Groundhog's Day. We woke up and we are going through the same day once again. Because the D-backs offense, like yesterday... Started the game off really quickly, starting to get to the starter of the Marlins, Trevor Rogers, really early in this game. And they were doing it with the long ball like they did yesterday because Christian Walker started off with a home run like we saw David Peralta yesterday start off. And then Pavin Smith had a home run as well. And then as the game went on, the starter went great. He went five plus innings. Humberto Castellanos pitched into the sixth. Zach Allen yesterday pitched into the seventh. Both of those guys left with their team ahead and no runs on the board for the opponent. But like Zach Allen yesterday, once the bullpen got into the game in Game 2... It got a little dicey for the D-backs because the D-backs decided to bring in Kyle Nelson at first, who was really good and able to get out the jam for Humberto Castellanos. But after Kyle Nelson, that's where it got dicey because Humberto Castellanos left himself in a jam when he came out the game like Zach Allen yesterday. But the difference was Kyle Nelson came in and got his starting pitcher out the jam which is one of the reasons why Colin Nelson was number 1 in my trustworthy rankings the first time we did it because one of the reasons at the time of the pod he had not given up any inherited runners uh, he he had not allowed an inherited runner to score up until that point so he was every starter's best friend if you if you were a starter that left the game with one on, two on, three on and Colin Nelson was coming in to pitch after you he was more than likely according to the stats, very likely. I mean, he hadn't yet done it to give up a run off one of those inherited runners. So when Kyle Nelson comes in the game, you know you're getting a shutdown inning, and that's what happened with Humberto Castellanos. He left the game with Menon. Kyle Nelson was able to shut the door and keep it moving. The D-backs were in prime position to win this game, but like yesterday, after Kyle Nelson, it got a little dicey for the bullpen because I always complain. The D-backs don't really have anyone that throws hard on this team. They got some guys that could hit the, mid, hit the mid-90s, the mid you know, maybe 95 maybe 96, maybe even 97, like a Corbin Martin, Zach Allen could get up to 96, but they don't have guys that could touch triple digits. We look around baseball, every team at least has one guy that hit 100 pretty consistently, and the D-backs did bring in their one guy that could hit 99, 100 miles an hour, because he did that in today's game. That is Luis Frias. Sometimes when Frias is on the mound and he's making pitches, you're like, this dude is nasty. How is this not one of the best prospects in baseball? Some of those sliders he was making, the break on those sliders was insane. He touched 100 miles per hour in this game, but the reason why I always say the D-backs don't have anyone that can throw hard is because I forget Luis Frias is on this team, and he gets option to AAA Reno a lot, so he's not always on the active roster, you know, available out the bullpen, but One of the reasons why I always say the D-backs don't have a guy that can throw hard is because I just don't trust Luis Frias. I don't want to see him in the game. I say the D-backs don't have anyone that could throw hard because they don't have anyone I trust that could throw hard. And once Luis Frias came in the game, I was like, yeah, I don't want to see him come in the game. But the D-backs were up five runs. So I was like, all right, it's fine. If there's ever a low leverage moment for Luis Frias to... Build momentum and hopefully get his stuff, you know, in order and locate his pitches and work on his game. I thought it was going to be in this game. But little did I know, Luis Frias was going to get himself into trouble because he wanted to give up some hard contact. And then once again, Jazz Chisholm had to be the hero of the Miami Marlins because with 2-1, He's trying to work Jazz Chisholm, trying to put him down, not put Jazz Chisholm on the bases, not give up another hit to Jazz Chisholm because so far, Jazz has been the D-backs killer in this series, and he was the killer again in game two because he barely gets a double down the line, and we have to talk about that play for a second because earlier in the day, Dansby Swanson hit a double for the Braves, and guess what? It was a foul ball. When they did the replay, it was a foul ball, but they called it fair during the game, and it was a non-reviewable play, so they couldn't overturn it. Somehow in this game against the D-backs, Luis Frias makes the pitch. It looks like a fair ball, but the umpire calls it foul. He says foul. He makes the, um, the gesture for the foul ball. And Jad Shishm's like, no way, that's a fair ball. Jad Shishm literally doesn't even go back into the batter's box. He's like, he's not even going near first base. He's like, I at least have a double, and all the managers come out for the Marlins, and the umpires get together, they talk about it, they look at the replay and they overturn the call, which is the right call. I will admit, it should have been a fair ball from the outset. But my issue is it was called a fair, it was called a foul ball and apparently these plays are not supposed to be reviewable. You can't challenge these plays, but somehow we were allowed to review it through replay and overturn it. I don't understand the judicial system when it came to this play because I felt like once they called it foul on the field, it should have been a foul ball. Even though it was a fair ball, since the umpire called it foul, that should have been the end of the story because we saw it in the game earlier, like I just said with Dansby Swanson, and they weren't able to overturn it, so I don't understand how that was possible. This D-back scheme, but... Luckily for the D-backs, they were able to escape that inning, but it wasn't easy because after that double by Jazz, Toy Lavello had to come out the bullpen and yell and get tossed by the umpire because he had a scream. If I'm Toy Lavello, I'm going out there, I'm cussing out the manager or not the manager, the umpire and somehow baseball is the only sport where that's allowed your, your manager or player can just get up in the umpire's face and tell him off and mother F him all day and nothing happens and I think Toy Lovello in that situation needed to do that to the umpire because I don't understand I can call something foul and then overturn it even though I agree that they got the call right. I just don't think, I just don't agree with the process of how it went down, so I was glad to see Toy Lovello um get thrown out because I think that was a positive sign for his team, and maybe it rallied the troops because Brent Strom became the active manager after Toy Lovello sat and he brought in Caleb Smith. And I was like, I tweeted it out, or I was thinking about tweeting it out. I was gonna tweet out, wow, Luis Frias, and then Caleb Smith back to back. You're asking for trouble. And little did we know. I was right because Caleb Smith, as soon as he came in, I like I didn't want to see Luis Frias t- to start off coming in the game, and he already came in. And then the next guy you bring in is Caleb Smith. The two guys out the bullpen I do not want to see in that big of a moment. Two outs, two on. We have to get out the inning, and you're bringing in Caleb Smith? That is not the guy I want, and luckily the D-backs were able to get out of it. Caleb Smith, eventually, after giving up a single that scored two more guys, but all all went against Luis Frias. So, Caleb Smith is not Kyle Nelson. He is not shutting down innings and not allowing inherited runners to score. So, he just jacked up Luis's Frias' ERA. So, sorry, Luis Frias. But, thankfully, Caleb Smith was able to shut down the inning. And then, after Caleb Smith, Middleton came in and pitched a clean eighth. But I was scared, too, when he came in. Because the first time we saw Middleton, I was... The first time we saw Middleton in that uh in his debut, he kind of blew the game for the D-Backs, and I felt like he was going to do that. So I was scared he was gonna do it again because the D-backs were like, after last night's game where the where the bullpen almost blew it for the D-Backs, the D-Backs today were like, let's actually go with our worst relievers in a in a five-nothing ball game. Let's go with our three worst relievers to see if they could blow the game. And they almost did that. They went with Luis Frias, who you can't trust. They went with Caleb Smith, who you can't trust. And Middleton, we just don't know because his sample size is too small, but he's probably growing on me just a little bit because of his um, outing today where he was able to shut down the eighth inning. And then Mantiply, of course, came in and had a shutdown ninth. So the D-backs were able to barely escape a nail-biter of a game. The D-backs' starting pitcher, Humberto Castellanos, was really strong in this game. He pitched into the sixth, like I said. No earned runs, four strikeouts, a great bounce-back game after his worst start of the season. And then offensively, we really didn't get a chance to talk about it, but... He mentioned it briefly, but they knocked out Trevor Rogers out the game, who gave up his first two home runs of the year, gave up two home runs in this game, his first two of the season, which I already said. He was only able to pitch into the fifth inning and not make it through five like Pablo Lopez yesterday, and he gave up five earned runs. Lopez only gave up four earned runs yesterday, but Rogers was giving up some extremely hard contact. I mean, Walker on that exit velo of his home run, 107 miles per hour. Paven Smith was also 107 miles per hour. Um that Walker double had an average exit velocity or did have an exit velocity of 105.5. And that double by Quetan Marte had an exit velocity of 100 miles per hour. And on the day, the fastball and changeup for Rogers had an average exit velo of 95. So D-backs, batters. Really teeing off against Rodgers. A lot of hard contact. We got to see the power from Paven Smith, who is making his homecoming. Family in the crowd. Great job by Pavin Smith, who continues to swing a really nice bat. Christian Walker. Slash line is still pretty disgusting, but at least the power is there. We like to see the Keton Marte double and RBI. Team still 2-4-11 with runners in scoring position, but at least we got to see good starting pitching. At least the offense decided to wake up today, and the bullpen was terrible, but... Mantiply shut down in the ninth inning for a save, who I think should be the closer with no Mark Melanson when he's on the injured list. I trust Mantiply a lot more than I trust uh Ian Kennedy right now. I'll probably go Kyle Nelson as my setup man, too, if I was the one managing this ball club, but I am not. But D-backs take game two against the Miami Marlins. Jazz is trying to and the D backs uh, franchise by himself. I don't know, but Jazz is a one man wrecking crew against the D backs. If the D backs can just slow down Jazz, they have a great chance of winning this series. And I believe they just have one game left tomorrow. We got Madison Bumgarner on the mound, so that should be a fun one. We know Madison Bumgarner has some jewelry from his time with the San Fran Giants. And speaking of jewelry, if you want to give mom a special gift for Mother's Day, you need to go to Bluenau.com because at BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find a traditional jeweler. Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Celebrating the special women in your life? On bluenow.com, you can easily navigate through thousands of fine jewelry options at every price point this Mother's Day. Give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from bluenow.com. And Lockdown listeners, get $50 off a $500 order. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured Ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today.
1: We're here doing the Locked On MLB. Locked on Diamondbacks crossover episode. I'm Sully. That's Millard. This is how it works. Hey, it's May 2nd that this episode is being dropped. It's early in the season. But let me say something, Millard. Mm -hmm. It's never the wrong time to win seven, eight, nine games in a row. Wherever you are, if you have a seven, eight game stretch where you win all the games, it's never the wrong time to do that. And there are a couple of teams who have done that recently who have, well, some have answered some critics. Some have inserted themselves into the pennant race, albeit outrageously early. But if you're going to be a surprise team to play better than people expecting or contend when people don't expect you to contend, getting out to a fast start makes your life a lot easier than trying to play catch-up because it may give your team that sense of, hey, maybe this is our year, early in the season, instead of digging yourself into a hole. I think you know some of the teams I'm referring to here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I think the team that's maybe – I don't know caught my eye the most maybe maybe the most because this is a team that we've talked about a lot on this podcast and the la angels are a team that's started really hot so far to start the major league baseball season 2022 and it's really not their pitching we discussed last week about how they haven't had enough, enough starting pitching for that rotation and how it's always been the biggest weakness of that team and i kind of contended that if this team maybe wants to make the postseason it's gonna have to be through their offense and that's what's been happening during this winning streak right now because their offense has been phenomenal we all know about mike trout He's He's been phenomenal so far to start the season. He Mm. looks back to being arguably the best player in baseball. And Otani really hasn't even gotten going yet, but the man who's, really been hot in that Angels lineup who's actually been even better than Mike Trout so far this season, if you look at the statistics, is Taylor Ward of the Angels. I mean, he's got double-digit runs, RBIs. He's got as many home runs as Mike Trout. He's batting nearly 400 on the season. He's got OPS like near 1,300. So, so far for that Angels team, him and Mike Trout have been phenomenal. You got Jared Wash doing work as well. Otani's still putting in work with the power as well. So, that Angels lineup is really uh, dynamic. I have even talked about Anthony Rendon. Hopefully, he can heat up too. So you look up and down that angels lineup, it's deep It's going to be able to score runs that division right now, the AOS, the Mariners, they've been, they've been pretty good so far this season, but they haven't been great. The Astros have kind of been scuffling here over the last couple of weeks as well. So right mm-hmm. now the angels, it's still early in the season, but they have a nice little lead so far in that division and they have enough talent to maybe make the postseason, maybe make a wild card. But I think they're definitely going to be a team that has to be buyers at that deadline and figure out another way to get some more arms in that rotation.
1: Well, look at it. And, and there's a couple of players like, you know, every year there's someone who pops up that you're like, wow, I didn't even think they'd be a factor. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, who's this is his eighth year in the bigs. He has been a relief pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds the last few years. Um, you know, you know, adequate mm-hmm. relief pitcher. Yeah. He has been fantastic in the Angels rotation. He pitched a great game his last start on Sunday. He pitched into the ninth. Uh, talk about, you know, giving them some length. And he has been tremendous. Uh, and also uh, uh, Patrick Sandoval has yeah. made three, has made three starts. He hasn't let up a run yet. He has struck mm-hmm. out 20 batters in 15 innings so far. Uh, you know, uh, Detmers has done, has had some good starts some bad starts. All Same right. with Syndergaard. Uh, Ohtani had to leave the game for an injury, but it doesn't look like it's that serious, at least that far. And, uh, Mike Trout got on base five times on Sunday, including a home run and a double. And, you know, if you're going to turn things around, one of the things that I really felt if this team stumbled out of the gate and there was a sense of, oh, are you kidding me? It's going to be another year where Trout is a great year and it doesn't really matter. Instead, they've come out of the gate blast him. Brandon Marsh has gotten some big hits for him. Jared Walsh has got some big hits for them. You know, Rendon is not heated up from. him. If he starts to heat up, you know, Joe Adele has made some great plays for them out there. And as you mentioned, Ward uh, is, I mean, if Adele starts hitting, then the outfield of Adele, Trout, and Ward might be one of the best in the game. And, you know, again, they this could be a fast start, and they could come falling back down to earth. But, you know, the 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 Mariners did not have a good weekend against Miami because the Mariners jumped off to a terrific start. But now they've, they're have they now at 12 and 10. The Astros have been scuffling. The, the A's have been, you know, the A's have lost a couple of games to Cleveland. Um, and the Rangers are a mess. You know, for the Angels to come up, it's important for them to take advantage of this because at least now, as they're up by a few games, these are games they don't have to make up later. Mm-hmm. Um, another team along those same lines of taking advantage. Sometimes you have to take advantage of people slumping within the division. Now, I did pick the Minnesota Twins to go to the playoffs this year. I picked them to be one of the wild card teams. You did. I like I liked the Twins. I thought the Twins had a down year after having several very good years. Uh right now, everybody in the central, including the White Sox, have just stumbled and except for Minnesota. And Carlos Correa's got some big hits, and they've taken advantage of some stupid Detroit defense in some of the games that they had against the Twins, against uh, Detroit. I do want to make one plea to both the Minnesota Twins and to the Toronto Blue Jays. Powder blue uniforms are road uniforms. Wow. Sometimes when you, it, this is not, this is no small thing, especially if you go to a restaurant or a bar and they have the TV up there and you're trying to figure out the highlight. The color of the uniform isn't just aesthetics. It's you see who's the home team, who's the visiting team. Someone sent me a clip of a game between the Celtics and the Nets. It took place in Boston, and the team wearing the black uniform got a key shot against a team wearing a white uniform. And I assumed it was the Nets beating the Celtics, but it turned out the Celtics were wearing black at home and the Nets were wearing white on the road. Folks, don't do this to me. Man. Don't so do this getting to
0: confused. me. Someone's getting confused out here, y'all. I'm nearly 50. Up,
1: you can't confuse me. You could confuse me very easily. So if you powder blues road, okay? Road. I'm like, why are they walking off? They're the road team. No, wait. They're the home team wearing powder blue. Stop it.
0: Just yeah, stop. It. And powder and powder blues are probably the most popular jersey in sports. I know everyone loves the San Diego Chargers or I guess LA Chargers uh powder blue uniform. So, road. uh and the and the Royals road. have pretty nice road uniform. road. And love road. the Royals blue, right? Got to love those road. 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 Yes, all, right. road. <laughs> road all right. On the road.
1: Bro, but Minnesota has jumped up to that fast lead and I think they are a talented team.
0: And hey, don't forget to check out built.com if you want your own built Bar package because built Bar is the best tasting protein bar because it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's high protein, it's high fiber, it's great for that keto diet, it's covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew. The reason why I love built Bar is because it tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in, reali- when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar and I have a dangerous sweet tooth, but I'm trying to work out every day. So that's why Built Bar is the perfect bar for me. And the best bar out there, I think, has to be the Puff, which is protein infused with marshmallow, fluffy, delicious, absolutely amazing. And if you want your own Built Bar, just go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. home jerseys blue road jerseys we got it but yeah the twins i'm not exactly sure how they've started this season so hot because you look up and down their lineup everyone basically outside byron buxton has like ops below 700 we yeah. know carl story hasn't done anything it's literally byron buxton and just a uh, me you and a couple other lockdown hosts out there with him because he's doing it all in that lineup yeah. and then you yeah, look, look at that rotation it's like it's like a bunch of guys from yesteryear where chris archer but they're, they're pitching great Yeah, they're pitching great. That's the thing. It's like, how are they doing this? It's like, you put them in the time machine. It was like hot tub time machine. They came back, and it was like 2012 all over again. Dylan Bundy's a top prospect, and he's actually pitching like it. Chris Archer's pitching like it, too. Then you got the Joe Joe Ryan Ryan yeah, he's come back and he looks—he's come out of nowhere and he looks phenomenal. The bullpen has been shut down, so they're pitching. I mean, I feel like it has to regress to the mean eventually because I can't see a, a playoff team with Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer as two frontline starters with the Joe Ryan. I can't believe it, Sully. I can't see Dylan Bundy as an ace of a team, so I can't believe the, play, the the Twins are as good as they are right now.
1: I and I don't think the White Sox are as bad as they are right now. But that being said. They're a team. The Minnesota Twins are taking advantage. That could be a division where the entire division is like 10 and 10 at this point. And instead they say, well, let's take advantage. Let's give ourselves a little lead and, you know, have the other teams play catch up with us. Uh, The the division everyone thought was going to be the superstar division. So far, they've had three of the best teams in the American League play. There is the American League East. And the New York Yankees are in the middle of a kind of a nine-game winning streak. Stacey Gotzloyus is so thrilled. She actually did a positive uh lockdown now about the Yankees. Um Cole's pitching great. Nestor Cortez mm-hmm. has been an all-star. Someone named Michael King has been unbelievable out of the bullpen for them. Chapman has yet to let up an earned run. I mean, they're both the, the Yankees bullpen has been mind-boggling. Dumb. And Um, And while they've some of their starting hitters have been slumping, uh, you know, Judge has been heating up and it's got some huge hits recently. And the reacquisition of Anthony Rizzo was the move of the year for the Yankees. They got a lot of crap in this offseason, including for me, for not going after one of the the star shortstops. I never minded that they didn't go after Freddie Freeman because they went after Rizzo and Rizzo was a perfect fit for them last year. He's come right back. He's fit in perfectly with the team. I know we're not supposed to look at runs batted in, but he already has 21 and his OPS, even though he doesn't have a high batting average, he has a high OPS over a thousand. He's hitting the already has nine homers and he plays amazing defense at first base. The, the Rizzo and judge, are the two MVPs of this team so far, and they're getting a quality year out of Aaron Hicks in center field. So even though they're getting nothing from Joey Gallo and slumping Josh Donaldson um, and Glaber Torres, it looks a little bit lost. And Higgy, Hishig- Hish- Higgy, Hibis- Hishio- never Higgy, his Higgy, their catcher. Don't Spanx. even try. <laughs> yeah, don't um, that. And DJ Lee Mayhew is hitting better now. So, uh, look at all the calls to fire Boone, fire Cashman, all that stuff. They're the best record in baseball right now. They're going up. They're going to be playing the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, or at least the vaccinated players are going up to Toronto. So we're going to see what's going to happen there. But give credit to the Yankees. It's never the wrong time
0: to win nine in a row yeah and before the season in our preseason pods I said they were going to miss the postseason I was talking more at my heart than my head just because I hate the Yankees I didn't want them to make the postseason I probably would have picked them if I went with my head and so far they've looked really good so far this season they're kind of Minnesota twins s because that offense you look up and down their lineup once again It's just basically judging Rizzo and I'm still one that cares about the traditional stats I still, care, I still care about batting average and RBIs and those fun stats so that the fact that Rizzo's still balling in those areas he's been a godsend so far for the Yankees. We saw that game I think last week where he had like two or three home runs in just one game. He's been great for them so far this season. Defensively, like you said, he's been one of the most underrated defensive players in baseball. He's been a stud at that area. And quietly, The bullpen has been the story of the Yankees, not just this season, but maybe the last, what, five to seven years of this franchise? Like, the bullpen has been their strength for a while now. It's been hitting home runs and then getting these starters to go five innings and get to the bullpen because they've usually had really good arms in the bullpen. And like you said, Chapman, the Clay Holmes, the Michael Kings, it's been dominant. Jamison Tyone's been fine in the rotation. So has Jordan Montgomery. And I think someone like Giancarlo Stan, I think he's been – kind of slow offensively to start the year, but he's someone that's still hitting the ball really hard. He seems to be still keying in on his pitches, so I think he's someone that's going to heat up as we enter the summer months as the weather outside starts to get warmer. I would watch out for G. Carlo Stan, because I think he's going to go on a run here Maybe in May, maybe in June, I think he's going to go on a tear where he rips off like 10 home runs in like 25 days, something crazy like that. So I would watch out for this Yankees team as hot as they've been. I think they could get to another level as this offense starts to click as we enter the summer months. I don't regret
1: my pick that I said they were going to miss the playoffs. Uh, first of all, because it's only May, but yeah. also because my reasoning, I think, was sound. And I said if they pitched well, I said they they could win the division. But I, didn't, I did not trust their pitching. I didn't trust their starting pitching. And I thought that that would eventually bite them. Now, as it stands right now, I didn't expect Nestor Cortez to pitch like an all-star. And I didn't expect King to be a dominant force in the bullpen. And so I give them credit where credit is due. I mean, I, I said all throughout the offseason, they could win the division or they could miss the playoffs. And a lot of things have to break right. And in the first month of the season, a lot of things, some things have broken horribly wrong, but their pitching staff has made up for it. And as Stacy said in one of her episodes, they're winning games this year that they would have lost last year. They lost a lot of dumb games last year, which cost them home field advantage in the division series and the, a uh, wild card game, but also they lost games to Baltimore last year. lost, they, they, You know, they wound up having a winning record against Baltimore, but it was really tight, and they lost a couple of key series to Baltimore. And they haven't been doing that. And so the fact that – and Garrett Cole is back to being Garrett Cole again. So these are things that were question marks that are now exclamation points for the Yankees. And so – now look it. uh, I still think Toronto is the most talented team in the division. Mm -hmm, No doubt. I got Toronto – in fact, that's that was uh, that was Yankee headquarters calling me up right now, oh, saying yeah? I can't believe you're praising us. But you know, look, you can't you can't put them down. they have the best record in baseball right now.
0: Yeah, I think Toronto
1: I, is the better team overall. But I think right now the Yankees are playing unbelievably well.
0: Yeah, I would like to recant my statement that said they were going to make the postseason from the preseason i would like Coward. to say sully uh, sully Coward. baseball peer pressured me into that statement because Coward. we both grew up red sox fans i feel like i was pressured by red sox nation so it wasn't really my head talking it was more my heart but i will stand firm on my stance that the yankees won't make or won't win the world series i think they will be a, a postseason team but i don't think they're sniffing uh, a world series ring this this year i still don't think they got the rotation for that or the arms for that for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's pod. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. We'll wrap up the series against the Miami Marlins. Then we've got part three with Sully Baseball, wrapping up our conversation about how starters are used in modern baseball. So it's going to be a jam packed pod as always. So thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Go make Lockdown MLB with my pal Sully your second listen of the day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.